This is a CBC Podcast. The government of Saskatchewan is going ahead with a law that a judge says may call cause irreparable harm to the most vulnerable kids. That's despite hours of debate in the legislature and opposition from teachers, lawyers and other experts. During debate yesterday, the education critic, Matt Love, pushed the education minister, Jeremy Cockrell, on who the government consulted with in coming up with this policy. I will give him one more attempt without talking about casework or hockey games or grocery stores and without talking about what he heard after the policy was introduced, before the policy was created, during a handful of days in August, who did the ministry talk to? I I recognize the minister. Say it again, Mr. Speaker. We have consulted with experts in children's lives, that is their parents. We've done that all across the province. We've done it in every constituency, community after community. That's the process for consultation. That member, I haven't, I'm not sure if that member has drafted a piece of legislation himself or introduced a piece of legislation himself in this assembly, Mr. Speaker. I apologize if I'm mistaken on that. But Mr. Speaker, again, the people that have been consulted on this bill are the experts in children's lives, and that is Saskatchewan parents. That's the Education Minister Jeremy Cockrell defending the government's parental rights legislation. For the latest, we've reached our political panel. Adam Hunter covers politics for CBC Saskatchewan. Murray Mandrick writes a political column in the Regina Leader Post. Good morning, guys. Good morning. morning. Adam, what's the latest? The latest is we're uh, at the end of this marathon uh, last couple of weeks, and specifically this week, where we've heard 33 hours of debate. And, uh, you know, I use debate in quotes because it was mostly the uh, New Democrats uh, opposition talking about 32 hours worth of them more. Uh, And then for five hours yesterday is what you heard from the minister and the education critic was Matt Love asking questions to Jeremy Cockrell and the Justice Minister Bronwyn Eyre about the policy, about the notwithstanding clause, just a wide range of things for about a five-hour period. Period. Then we're going to have uh, two hours of schedule today for third reading and a vote, and we expect the vote to pass. Yesterday, there were a couple of amendments the NDP put in place. One was to create like sort of a parental uh, uh, committee to for the government to go to and receive feedback from. This exists in other provinces. The government voted that down. And the other one was what the NDP was referring to as a do-no-harm clause, which would uh, require that if a mental health professional deemed that a student would suffer, uh, would be really never safe to tell their parents uh, that they wanted to change their name or pronoun, that they wouldn't have to. And the government also voted down that amendment. Murray, what's the debate been like? Horrible. Um, You remember back in the day when Brad Wall used to tell us or offer speeches to say, leave the province better than you found it. I wonder how when they're done their their career, and I'm not so sure how long it's going to be in the case of, of uh, Jeremy Cockrell or, or how much longer it's going to be for Bronwyn Eyre or uh, Jeremy Harrison or Scott Moe on their current path. But when they th- get done their career, I wonder if they're going to look back at this incident that they're obviously pointing to as a career high and see where they may have done harm. The irreparable harm right now is real. The irreparable harm is also to the political system itself, given the divisive nature of this of, of this issue that they are using as a wedge. And that's the insulting, awful part about it. There's a whole, There was a whole bunch of insulting, awful parts uh, about this 
not the least of which being that as serious legislatures, they chose not to be serious. They chose not to participate in the debate. They stuck in their earbuds and they watched Netflix or whatever else according to the opposition. I didn't see it. I don't doubt it. But, but what I can tell you is they didn't participate in debate. They rejected, as Adam said, reasonable opposition amendments. And I guess the opposition is not always reasonable and not always fair. But it is reasonable to say, let's have an amendment that does no harm. That is what you as government have said you want to accomplish in this piece of legislation repeatedly in scrums. So it comes forward as a serious amendment to what I presume is a serious bill because we recalled the legislature in an emergency session way to uh, to do this for the first time in 25 years. Kind of serious. First time we did this this millennium. And they and their, their response to that is just to, to ignore the, the amendment that would have been exactly what they said they wanted to accomplish. And I'm just at a loss as to why they are at such a loss as, as government right now in terms of wanting to really do good. This isn't about parental rights. This is about splitting the province. And uh, for them to say the problem is everybody bullying tens of thousands of aunts and uncles and grandmas and parents uh, that don't really want to talk openly about this particular issue because they're scared of being bullied, I guess, by a bunch of trans kids or whomever. I mean, it is. It's just patently ridiculous. Uh, we're going to, into a session next week where this is the climate that we're going to experience. So when you're asking me is how did it go? Not well. Well, and I did see some people talking about the decorum in the legislature, and I covered the legislature for nearly 20 years, and I've seen people do other things. I've seen an NDP cabinet minister write all her Christmas cards while sitting in the assembly, but you're still sitting there with your ears open, ostensibly. I've also seen people chit-chat and other things uh, that haven't been super respectful, but in this case, were people listening to to music really loud such that they couldn't hear other members? Was this worse than usual or same old, same old? Because school kids always find it shockingly disrespectful yeah. how MLAs act. In the committee room and people are on their phones, that's very common. There, someone will be asking questions and you have those other committee members that definitely are not paying attention. They're on their phones. And during question period, we see MLAs on their phones, on their iPads, on their laptops. We don't know what they're doing. Uh, we assume they're listening. But as you said, they're not, they don't have a, <laughs> headphones in, not <laughs> listening or a screen yeah. going. And I'll just say that, you know, I think there's some confusion that, you know, when people say an adjourned debate that it's, that it's a break. That's just the term. Like when you see the, the zoom out on the screen and people are talking talking and chatting and doing whatever, that's they're, they're still listening to the, the MLAs. The some debate's these, still occurring. Yeah, I saw some people yeah. say, no, they're on a break. Nope, that's not a break. And some of the MLAs, like the NDP MLAs, some of them spoke for four or five hours straight. Right. And, and Jared Clark, the new MLA for Wall Shakers, read the sexual education curriculum like into the record. Uh, Matt Love went through Justice McGaw's uh, ruling in, in great detail. Um, but the NDP is making hay out of it, saying, you know, Matt Love said yesterday during the committee meeting, you know, if you were paying more attention during, you know, some of our testimonials, some of the things we brought up, then maybe you would know and you weren't watching Netflix and playing Candy Crush in his words. And so that's what it becomes. It becomes something that the NDP can use against the government and saying, actually, look, you don't care. You're saying you care, as Murray said, but you're not paying attention. What happens now, Murray? What happens when this passes, which we know it will? We'll pass today and we'll apparently move forward as we always do. There'll be a throw-in speech next Wednesday where we'll carry on 
the business of the government. I think it's the mood that's set that's the problematic thing. That's the irreparable harm part because of the, because they have been using this as a wedge issue, divide rural, urban, old, young, uh, whatever else they can possibly div uh, uh, divide in which they thought they could reap votes from the division. And that, that, that's the problematic thing. I don't know if, if people are going to buy it because I see, I see a lot of rural people that are angry about their hospitals, angry about their nursing home, angry about a lot of other things as are urban people. We just saw a poll from Incitrix basically talking about a 6% difference between the NDP and the SAS party right now, 51-45 in this province. And that's problematic for, the, for this. And I can't honestly believe that the problem is Saskatchewan United for the SAS party because Incitrix didn't even include them in the poll as, as, as such. This is not a good trend line for government. People are concerned about inflation. They're concerned about real life issues. We had people in the legislature talking about child care and the, their inability as child care providers to provide because of cost. We had inflation costs. We had people talking about the Regina Lutheran uh, nursing home. My newspaper did a story yesterday about for the first time in I think 60 years, a doctor a, a doctor serving rural Saskatchewan is the only cardiologist to do so, opting out of Medicare and charging his patients because he can no longer afford under the current system to to function as a professional doctor uh, because it's such a mess. So what are we talking about in the legislature for the last two weeks? Pronouns. It, it's just incredible. So what will we start talking about after the th throne speech, do you expect, having not yet seen the throne speech? Yeah, I think that the government, uh, you know, the last couple of throne speeches have been about provincial autonomy. And if you listen to the justice minister yesterday and her justification for using the notwithstanding clause, she says Quebec. And the government, we've heard Quebec as a buzzword from the premier, from the justice minister for a long time now, including the throne speeches. We want more control over immigration. They're talking about uh, collecting taxes. They're talking about, um, you now we have the marshal service. So there's these uh, autonomy things. That flying came out our own flag. Flying our own even flag. Even if that's symbolic. And yeah. that actually came up yesterday that they're, they asked the question about the cost of flagpoles because a lot of these schools will now need two flagpoles and who's paying for that and the minister didn't have an answer they weren't sure about that so I don't think that's going to be in the throne speech but there is going to be a lot of uh, foreshadowing to the election we thought that maybe there'd be a tax cut the finance ministers kind of teased around that in the next budget we know that the governments like to have good news budgets when they are going to have an election a lot of people think there may be an early election I'm not so sure that's going to happen but we might get a bit of an indication how hard the government's going yesterday Scott Moore went to PA uh, to to be an announcement for a women's uh, a second stage shelter, I believe, uh, during the emergency debate. Um, that's typically not something he would be doing. So um, that gets people's attention as well, right? He's been in a lot of school announcement openings. He went to the Regina Parkade opening and broke ground. So he's been doing a With lot of campaigning. With eight others, I think, if I saw many the picture. Many others, many <laughs> others, almost the whole caucus. But as Murray's saying, Maybe it has to do with the polling numbers that are out that show actually that Saskatoon and Regina, the NDP has a big lead in the, according to that poll. What do you think the politi political ramifications of this might be? Well, you know, it, it, as I say, I don't know if the government is reading it. It's right. I, I know what people that I talk to want to talk to about. And that's the struggles that they're having. They're you know, having trouble paying for things. Uh, you know, the, the, I feel for the government somewhat because it's logical to, that uh, natural gas and uh, electrical rates are going to go up, particularly with the pressures of the carbon tax and everything else. The government's not wrong in, in, in that particular area. I'm so surprised that they're not sticking to that area. It seems almost reversed because 
Daniel Smith in Alberta seems to be fighting the fight that Scott Moe should be fighting here while he's fighting pronouns. I, I don't particularly get it uh, right right now in terms of the mess that, uh, that that's, that's facing them. Maybe they see it as a bit of a distraction. And as I think Adam outlined, they'll we'll see this further notions about ways to fight with Ottawa. If you can't fight Justin Trudeau because he's about to get defeated, let's pick a fight with Quebec because they used the notwithstanding clause so much as if that makes any logical sense in terms of of, 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 of advancing anybody's concerns or causes. doesn't really solve my problem in terms of my grocery bill or my tax bill or everything else. Maybe they'll get smart and switch gears and start talking about taxes and about uh, PST and everything else. I'm wondering if they'll, we'll start, start to see a transition towards that. We'll be talking to you about it next week. Thanks, guys. You're, You're welcome. very welcome. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.